Well, we got a guest today. I'm so excited. Uh, we've, like I said, started a series called Mosaic a couple of weeks ago, exploring, navigating through brokenness and beauty in our lives. And we just, we just kicked off that series, really trying to help all of us um, understand that, that we can, you know, there are broken people among us. And we kind of reiterated that quite a bit a couple of weeks ago and understood that many of us, even as we follow Christ, will live in seasons of brokenness, difficulty, pain. And uh, we want to be a community that encourages one another, that feels safe for people to share with one another, uh, a place to find healing as well as we, as we walk in the gospel together and find ultimate healing in Jesus, um, but then encouragement along the way. And so today we got a guest. Uh, his name is Daniel DeCary, and I think I've said your last name properly. You can fix it later. <laughs> and um, he is a, a, actually a pastor in the city. Uh, he's on the pastoral staff of Nouvelle Vie in the South Shore. And uh, for a couple of years, he's also been helping uh, in oversight or advisory to uh, a new church in Rosemount called La Chapelle. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Great church, doing some great things there. And, um, but he's also really passionate about counseling uh, in a biblical way, and uh, he, has a, he also has a practice in Christian counseling. And uh, chatting with him, talking with him, uh, I really got to know him over the last year, really briefly through some phone calls, as we're looking at what we can do in the greater region in the West Island to to find support for people um, when they need specific support. And so I invited him to speak today, and, and I'm really grateful that you're here, uh, Daniel. Um, he's born in Montreal, but his, his wife is from Toronto. And uh, so me and him are reversed, because my wife is from, was born in Montreal, and I was born in Toronto. And so, uh, but we're both here in Quebec, which is awesome. This is God's place, right? Hey, welcome, Daniel. We'd love to hear from you today. Let's give him a hand. Happy to be here. Uh, it's a real joy. I'm sorry that my wife is not with me. She was very much looking forward to listening to an English service. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but she had two emergency uh, operations last weekend. So we had quite the weekend uh, last weekend. And so she's still, she's, she's doing much better. She's on the mend, and uh, um, she could not be here uh, this morning. I brought some teaching uh, with me. They're at the table. Uh, there are three that are in French. Uh, one is on grace. Uh, one is how to be a man. It's called, it's called, it's the French version of Braveheart, Coeur Vaillant. Uh, and one is how to be victorious in Jesus. Those three are in French, but I have two in English. One is the power of forgiveness in marriage, and the other one is how to build our homes. And those are in English, and they're in the back. Now, some of you are looking at this and say, what? Cassettes? If you're thinking that I'm holding a cassette in my hand, you're telling me how old you are. Okay? No, they're not cassettes. They're USB keys, okay? <laughs> and all the messages are on that, because new cars don't have CD players, and some of the new generation CDs, what's that? So that's when you feel really old. And uh, so anyhow, so they're there at the, at the back. Um, I do have a practice. I, ha- I have a counseling practice. Uh, I'm a psychotherapist. I have a permit from the order of love the psychologue. Um, and my office is on the South Shore. And so for some of you, you say, South Shore, that's so far away. Um, I do e-counseling as well through Internet. We can do all kinds of stuff now. So I do e-counseling uh, because I know that I'm very far from you. And you're very far from me. I don't know about you. Every time I come on the island, my GPS, the screen goes black, and it says, good luck. (laughs) Does yours do that? Anyway, mine does that. 
I forgot to ask, is it okay to laugh at Westside? I forgot to ask. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, this morning I want to look at, at, at wounds, and I want to look at it, a very imperfect father. Uh, and the title of the message is Choosing the Blessing. It, it, there's a choice there, Choosing the Blessing. Um, fathers are, 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 are different than mothers. Let's put it this way. Uh, let's look at the first picture. When a mom is alone with the baby. Ah. When dad's alone with the baby. When dads play with the baby. When mom goes for a walk with the baby or dads go for a walk with the babies. But there is hope. There is hope. There is hope. So this morning I want to look at a very imperfect father and his three sons. And we're going to look in Genesis 9, verse 20 to 26. If you have it on your phone, if you have it on uh, your iPad or, or whatever. But if you're on your phone, your iPad, you're going to raise your right hand and you're going to say, I promise that I will only look at scriptures. I will not go on Facebook. I will not go on Instagram. I will, Because you do understand that the time that you put the picture in the comment is, is written next to your comment. So we know that if it's during the service, because then we can read the comments and say, wait a minute, I was preaching and... These people are putting comments on, right? Yeah, my mom's starting to figure out how to work Facebook. It's lovely to have your mom on Facebook when she's 84. So, Mom, you know that everybody sees what you just put on my Facebook? Oh. Genesis 9, verse 20 to 26. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Jephthah took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see the father's nakedness. So Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him. Then he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. So let me give you a bit of a context here. Noah built an ark for over a hundred years. And the flood came, and everyone on earth will die except Noah and his wife, and his three sons and their wives, they will be the only one that will survive. Noah is the only righteous man on earth at the time. Thus, the flood. A little bit of time after the flood, Noah planted a vineyard, and he made wine. So most theologians have concluded, well, Noah was French, right? So as good as he was, as righteous as he was... He was not perfect. He was a human being just like you and me. He was human. And he got drunk and he fell asleep and he was drunk and naked in the middle of his tent. Now you must understand the tent is a family tent. All the family members sleep in the same tent. So everybody could see him lying down totally naked, totally drunk. That's shameful. That's embarrassing. How can he be that way? So here comes the youngest son. And he wants to uncover, right? He wants to reveal the sin of his father. Sham, the father of Canaan, verse 22, saw the thankfulness of his father and told his two brothers that were outside. He comes and he sees it. And when he sees that, he goes and he tells his two brothers. Why? Why does he do that? Why does he want to uh, unveil the sin of his father? Well, we don't know, 
But there's a couple of possibilities here. First, there's a desire for justice. We all have it, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Somebody cuts you off on the 40, you want to cut them off, right? I'm the only one that does that? Oh, okay. Um, So, and sometimes that's very, very present when parents have hurt us. When we are children, the world of the adults is the world of the perfect beings. So if there's something that's not going right in my home, automatically the child will think it's its fault. How many children feel they're responsible for the divorce of their parents? Because the world of the adults is perfect. So the thought begin, begins to say, well, if I could be perfect, I could restore my world. And then there's a frustration, there's a conflict inside of you because... You know you can't be perfect. If only you could be perfect, and that can promote, promote and, and provoke a lot of anger. So it becomes crucial that everybody knows that what's going on is not my fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my mother's fault. But the second reason also is to remove the shame. The behavior of Noah here is very, very shameful. It's embarrassing. It's like Ham wants to get away from this kind of behavior, and everyone to know, this is my dad's doing, it's not me. See, many children grow up in a a family that creates shame in their lives because of the behavior, the words, the action of a parent that took place in front of the family sometimes, in front of people, and you become ashamed. And you're feeling that the shame comes on you. So it's important to separate yourself. But it's also an anger that leads to mockery. See, in the English version, it says that he went and told his brothers, right? But the word told in Hebrew means not only telling, but telling in a mocking way. There's anger to mock his father here and this son. There's a spirit of vengeance. There's there's bitterness. There's, There's disdain against his father. And the Bible doesn't say why, but... We can have some ideas that it it must be tough for a son to live when your dad is Noah, right? He's the only righteous man on earth. God speaks directly to him. Hard to follow up, right? It's hard to follow this kind of act. And the, the standard of success is very hard. But maybe he was just mocking as a new generation sometimes will mock an older generation. C.S. Lewis wrote this. That in the history of mankind, it used to be said from every generation, we are dwarfs building on the shoulders of giants. In other words, every generation knew that what they were doing was building upon what the generations before them had done. That's why they had such respect for the older generation. They were giants. We're just dwarfs. But C.S. Lewis continues and he says, after the Industrial Revolution, it got switched around. And now new generation think, we are giants. And we are building on the shoulders of dwarfs. In other words, the previous generations, they don't know what they're talking about. Look at how we treat the elderly. It will prove the point. That we don't have that kind of respect anymore. You see, technology goes so quickly, advances so quickly, that it's very easy to get lost for generations that were before us. Maybe your parents, every time there's a power failure, your mom will call you and say, can you come and set my clock 
right? Or you go in and all the clocks are flashing eight. Or next to every box, you know, the TV box, the DVD player and everything. Next to the box, there's a list of instruction how to work it. My mom's the only one that has that. Right? She bought an iPad. I said, Mom, why'd you buy an iPad? It's pretty expensive. It's my inheritance. That's, you know. <laughs> what, what are you doing, Mom? Well, she says, I bought an iPad because my friend has an iPad. So if I'm in trouble, I know who to call. And I said, great idea. Because I don't want you know, Mom calling me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I can't get my card games to work. Okay? Call your friends. So, but technology goes so fast. But we forget that when it came, comes to remote... We used to be the remote. When our parents were younger, we were the remote. It was my dad going, hey, go change the channel. <laughs> yes, dad. Go change the channel, right? And then we turned the knob. Now, some of you younger ones said, what is he doing? Turning the knob. Yeah, there used to be a knob on the TV. And you had to turn it. And there were four channels. And it was a real drive when you, you were on channel 12, and then your dad says, no, I want to watch channel 6. Oh, come on, all the way across, I got to go, right? We had a broken one, and we had a pair of pliers to turn the channel. You wanted HD, you put some aluminum foils on the antenna, and hey, you got HD right there. And how many shows did you watch? You had to hold the antenna so the reception was better, right? And you stay there. We were the remote. Technology goes so fast. I remember when I first got my, smart, my first smartphone, right? And I understood now why they call it a smartphone, because I felt so stupid using this thing. Guess who was laughing? My children. I said, Dad. I actually stopped texting my son. My son lives in Alberta. I actually stopped texting him, because I thought, this is taking forever. I called him. I said, you do realize the phones were invented so we could talk to each other? He didn't know that. Hey. (laughs) But is life just limited to technology? Is that it? So this young son, there's something in his heart. He's angry at his dad. Here comes the other two sons, the older two. But Shem and Japheth, verse 23, took a garment, laid it on both on their shoulders, and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When the two older sons find out, they take a, a coat, and they go into the tent, and literally, they back into the tent. And when they start to feel the body of their father, they cover it. And they don't look at the nakedness of their dad. You see, they chose to cover. They chose to forgive the sin of their father. Maybe they stopped to try to understand their dad. Maybe they understood that alcoholism, like any addiction, is there to numb a pain. Maybe they realized that after building the ark for more than a hundred years, after seeing the flood and thousands of people crying out and dying around him, after living the stress of living on the ark, we know the end of the story, but when you're on the ark, he doesn't know how long it's going to be. And he's going through that stress. Maybe these older two sons had realized that their dad was suffering from post-stress traumatic syndrome, And that like thousands today, the only relief he found is through alcohol. Maybe they understood that. Maybe they understood their dad was bored. There was nobody from his generation that was alive in those days. 
What do you do for God after you've built an ark and you've saved your family? What do you do next when you're retired and you're old? Maybe he's just bored. One thing is certain. These two sons understood a principle that God was going to reveal to us years later. And we find it in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, when it says, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. See, they chose to cover the sin of their father. So you're facing a choice between a curse and a blessing. Because when Noah wakes up, he pronounces a curse on his son that uncovered and revealed his sin. And he pronounces a blessing on the sons that covered his sin. See, and I believe that that's a a principle here. If I want justice, I'm walking in a path of curse. But if I choose forgiveness, I'm, I'm walking in a path of blessing. See, the, 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 the malediction, the, the curse of staying captive and the suffering, the, the, the thirst for justice and vengeance. The curse of bitterness that corrupts every relationship in my life. See, bitterness, is somebody defined it as drinking rat poison and thinking the other one will be sick. When it's you that's going to be sick. It's your relationship that will suffer. The curse of the grudges to keep the person that hurt you captive. To keep them in jails. You owe me and I will not let you go. I will hang out. I will put you in jail. And then you sit in front of the chair, the, the door of the, that uh, in, in jail. You sit in front of the door because that person. And then it takes years sometimes to realize, wait a minute, I'm in jail too. And then if you look closely, the person's not even there. Because the person has gone on and lived their lives. You've been sitting there all alone in the grudge and the bitterness. Or maybe you're cursed under the, the idea that you have to be perfect. And you expect people to be perfect around you. And you're constantly looking for others to approve of you. Or you will choose the path of the blessing. Path of the blessing. And the blessing comes when we choose to cover, to forgive the sins of our fathers, of our mothers, whoever has hurt us in the past. What's going to help me forgive? Well, four steps. First, my need for justice has been met in God. Has been met. You see, God has seen everything that's happened to you. God has seen it. And he will take care of the person that hurt you. He'll take care because he's seen it. You see, forgiving is not denying what take place, what took place. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying these things have happened, but I'm going to give this person to God. I'm going to leave all the justice in the hands of God, and I'm going to be free to walk my life. I don't deny what happened. I'm just putting it in God's hand. I'm abdicating my right of vengeance. God said, vengeance is mine. In other words, trust God that the person that's hurt you, that you choose to forgive, you're putting that person in God's hands. Trust God that he will deal with that person. He will deal with that person. At the cross, second, Jesus took my shame. He took all my shame away. He took it upon himself. I am his son. I am his child. I've been forgiven. And that's where my identity is. 
I'm not ashamed. I've been bought back by Jesus. Thirdly, when we realize or we admit that I'm not perfect either. That's a little bit more difficult. (laughs) To forgive somebody that hurt us is to realize, I'm not perfect either. I don't know if you've ever prayed like this. I have. Oh, Lord, would you please touch my wife? Would you please, 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 you know, change her. Change her quickly. Change, you know, change her. You know, please, Lord, change her. And thank you for your patience towards me and your work in my life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, the same patience God has towards you, he will have it towards others as well, right? So it is by grace that I'm saved and I'm forgiven. And I am so thankful, so thankful. See, Catherine is sitting in the back, and she knew me when I first got saved, so it's intimidating. But I am so thankful that God did not choose to reveal all my sins. Can I get an amen? Or am I the only one? Oh, I'm so glad Jesus didn't say, well, we're going to write everything you did wrong. And we're going to tell everybody, whoa, that would have been a long list. No, he says, we're going to cover my love, my grace, my forgiveness. I will forgive your sin. See, his love is covering my sin. Jesus at the cross says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Jesus did not deny what they were doing. He chose to forgive them. And because I have been forgiven, I have the power to forgive those that have hurt me. Isn't that what Jesus said in our our Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our offenses, our sins, as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you are spiritual. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. In other words, remember who you are. You're not perfect either. And then, lastly, realizing that my parents gave me life. They gave me life. These are the people that God chose to give me life. So, my parents, they did some good things. Right? It's not just bad what they've done. They've done some good things. At least they gave me life. Your dad or your mom, they were not perfectly bad or perfectly good. There was some good and some bad. They had their own struggles. They had their own wounds. They had their own suffering. They had their own history. See, when we met our parents, they were adults. (laughs) But we forget that they were children at one point. What did they go through? That will help me in a process of forgiving my parents for what they could have done to me. But they also had life experience, things that we didn't understand when we were young, but now we understand a little bit better, especially if we have children. When I was a teenager, I thought my parents weren't even from Earth. I thought they were from a different planet, you know. (laughs) Mind you, I was taking so much drugs in those days that I felt like I was from a different planet too. But I didn't understand my parents. When I had teenagers... Oh, oh, oh. now I understand, right? So my parents did some things that were right as well. That's going to help me. 
to forgive, to choose that path. And now there's some here, there's, you're thinking, well, yeah, but you don't understand my childhood. You don't understand what I grew up with. Well, it's possible. But let me tell you a little bit about this. You see, this story in the Bible, it's not a story in the Bible for me. It's a very clear memory as a teenager of literally covering the nakedness of my dad because he fell asleep and he was totally naked in front of everybody. And I had to cover his nakedness, literally. See, my dad was an alcoholic. And uh, oftentimes, he, he was a functional alcoholic, functioning alcoholics. You know who they are, right? They go to work. They never miss work. They're always at work. Every night, they're drunk. Every weekend, they're drunk. Every single day, they're drunk. But they go to work, right? And so, they're, they're, so nobody knows that how bad the situation is because they're not missing work. They're at work every day. And when my dad would get drunk, he'd become very aggressive, very uh, filled with anger, and he would become violent, most of the time in words, but sometimes physically he would become violent. I never brought friends to my house. I never brought, I found every kind of reason to get out of there, to go play at some friends. See, so many holidays and vacation, when I felt so totally embarrassed by what my dad did and how he behaved, because he was so drunk in front of the family and the way he would treat certain people and how he would do certain things. I'd be full of shame. I just wanted to separate myself from that. And for years, I was filled with anger and bitterness. I hated my dad. I really did. And I wanted to make sure that everybody would know what he's doing. To the point where one night, I was going to beat him up. He was so drunk, and I thought, I'm going to beat him up. Tonight is it. And somebody stopped me because I was physically going to beat him up. But you see, all this bitterness, all this anger in me kept me under the curse. All my friendships, all my relationships were suffering. It was impossible for me to trust anybody, impossible for me to be true, to be intimate, to be, uh, to let anyone get close. You could not get close to me. It was impossible. And I was becoming an alcoholic. See, I grew up hating alcohol. I have a memory. I have, I have a memory when I'm five years old, we're driving in the car, and we drove in front of the Labatt 50. Remember Labatt 50? Okay? And we drove in front of it. And that's what my dad would drink all the time. And I'm five years old. I'm looking in the car window. I remember. And I'm thinking, man, if I could go and put a bomb in there, blow up this place, because they're stealing my dad. And I thought, if they, if they no longer existed, I'd get my dad back. I hated alcohol. But I was becoming violent. I was becoming aggressive. And I was becoming an alcoholic. Until somebody came and told me about Jesus when I was in my early 20s. And then I got saved. I accepted Jesus. And Jesus just totally, totally changed my life. But when I told my parents, when I told my dad, Dad, guess what? I've stopped drinking. I don't drink. I don't do drugs anymore, Dad. I don't go to bars anymore. I go to church now. I'm a Christian. And not too long after that, I felt God was calling me to the ministry. And I said, Dad, not only am I a Christian, I'm going to be a pastor. He rejected me. He says, you're no longer my son. And I thought, what? I want to walk a good life, and you're rejecting me. (laughs) You're drunk. You have an issue, but you reject me. I see, to become a Christian, I was rejected by my own father. But I was facing a choice. 
staying under the curse or cover, forgive my father. Filled with bitterness and anger. Filled with that desire to be perfect, to prove him wrong and make sure that everybody around me was perfect. Nobody was allowed any kind of flaws around me. And see all my relationships suffer. Be impossible to be in close relationship. Or forgive my dad like I had been forgiven. And you see, I decided, I made the choice to forgive my dad. He never asked for forgiveness. But I chose to forgive him. It was a choice. The healing process, that was a process. That was a path, that was a process. I remember driving six hours to see my dad in the hospital because he was going to be uh, operated, major operation. And I showed up. I, I was living six hours north of Montreal at that time. I was pastoring a church. Drove six hours overnight. Showed up in the morning just before the operation. When he saw me walk into the hospital room, he said, what are you doing here? He didn't exactly say, what are you doing here? There was a few other words that were in French that uh, no point translating them, right? And so I said, well, I came to pray for you. And my dad looked at me, he's wired up, and he's got all kinds of stuff, and he says, well, you know what I think about that? And I said, yeah, dad, I know what you think about that, but I said, you know what I think about that. So I'm here to pray for you. And he was all tied up, he had wires and everything, he couldn't move, right? So I said, well, he's a captive audience right now. So I laid hand on him, put my hand on his chest, but I have to confess, I prayed with one eye open. Because I said, if the beast wakes up, I'm out of here. <laughs> and I calculated the length of the wires. And I said, okay, if I stand here, he starts swinging, I'm okay. He won't, he won't get me. Right? And I prayed for my dad. I prayed for him. You see, by choosing to forgive him, I was freed to become the man that God was calling me to be and live under the blessing that he had for me. It allowed me to become the husband, the father, and now the grandfather that I am. I'm not perfect, but I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Let me show you my blessing. You can show the picture. Next to me is my mom. She's 84 years old. Next to her is my wife. We're going to be married 35 years this year. Next to her is my daughter with her husband. They've been married three years. And standing is my son and his wife. They've been married almost six years now. And we are holding, I'm holding my oldest grandson. And my mom's holding the baby, the, the, the youngest grandson. They're the children, they're the sons of my son. You see this? That's a blessing. Never would have been able to, be, to take place. It, this is impossible without God. That's why I'm showing it to people, not to brag about myself, to show you what God can do if you choose to forgive, if you choose the path of forgiveness and to be free to what God is calling you to be. But my greatest blessing is in the last few minutes that my dad was alive. It was the day after Father's Day in 1991. My dad was 57 years old. I ended up being alone with him in the hospital room. And we knew it was the end. He was only 57, but we knew it was the end. He was totally destroyed by alcoholism and diabetes and all kinds of stuff. And I stood next to his bed and I said, Dad, 
Ask Jesus to save your soul. Ask Jesus to save your soul. This is it. Ask Jesus to save your soul. And that's what my dad did. That's the last word he said on earth. Jesus, save my soul. 30 minutes later, he went into a coma and he died 12 hours later. That's the last thing he said. Jesus, save my soul. And I remember I was in shock when I heard it, right? I said, am I hearing right? And I think my dad was in shock because he said it twice. He said it twice. He says, whoa, what is going on? I'm all alone with him. And I just felt the Spirit come to my heart and say, whoever should call upon my name shall be saved. And there was just a peace there. And I walked out of that room, and before I left, I kissed my dad on the forehead, and I said, I love you, dad. I love you, dad. See, my hope is this now. One day, I'm going to see him again. See, when I get to heaven, I want to see Jesus. <laughs> I want to see Jesus big time. I want to see Jesus. <laughs> okay. But there's going to be another face that I'm going to look for in the crowd. And we're going to be reconciled for eternity. Eternity. Because I chose a path of the blessing. I made a decision. It was a long process. But it started with a decision. Today, I have good memories of my childhood. There are things that have come back up that I totally forgotten. That I could see. Wow, my dad did good there. Wow, this was, this was good. And I'm thankful for the dad that I had. I honor the fact that he was my dad. I honor the fact that I carry his name. I'm so happy. I wish he was here to realize there's another generation of little of the carries that were born in the last couple of years. And we're going to carry this name for a gen. I mean, if you're fed up with the carries, you're stuck for another generation coming. <laughs> So I honor the fact that he was my dad. There are qualities that I have. It comes from my dad. It was my dad that told me in the 70s when he was very unpopular in French circles. It was my dad that told me to learn English. Son, be proud to be Quebecois. But learn English. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in the province. Learn English. He'll open doors to you. I mean, he didn't know that I would get saved through an English-speaking person. <laughs> it's because of him, right? And then I married her, but that's a whole different message. Okay, I'll, I'll come back for that one. But that's how I got saved, through English. It was because I spoke English that I got saved. So I'm proud of that. And one day, we'll see each other. Let me close with this. And maybe the musicians can come and join me. If you're a parent this morning, and maybe there's something in your spirit that says, oh man, I, I, I did this to my kids. Maybe there's something wrong that you did. Take the first step. Ask for forgiveness. Admit that you weren't perfect. Ask for the forgiveness of your children. But maybe you had a difficult childhood. Maybe it was a father. Maybe it was a mother. That wounded you. I want to encourage you this morning. Choose the path of the blessing. Cover the faults, the error, the mistakes. 
of what your dad did to you or what your mom did to you. Don't deny it. Choose to put it back in God's hands. It can be people that are, it's recently that you've been wounded. It's recently that somebody really hurt you. Choose the blessing of saying, Lord, I give you this person. Don't deny. Don't pretend it didn't take place. But cover it by giving that person back to God. Forgiveness does not mean that we are automatically reconciled. Let me say this again. Forgiveness does not mean that we are automatically reconciled. It's just that we gave up the desire for vengeance on the person. If the person is still hurting me, they're not worthy of my trust, it's okay for me to protect myself. It doesn't mean that we're automatically reconciled. If your father or your mother has passed away and there's things that you, you feel hurt by them, so what can I do? Well, oftentimes I tell people, write a letter as if you were speaking to that parent. Write it and then burn it. And see the smoke as the message going. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to give you all that hurt, all that pain. Don't stay under the curse. Walking to the way of the blessing. Choose the path of forgiveness. Yes, sometimes it's a process. It's a process to forgive. It's a process to forgive. It took me years and years and years to stop having dreams of my dad when I would beat him up. Years. It's a process. When you walk on that path, you feel the blessing of God on your life. To become the person you were created to be, to walk in God's plan. Can we bow our heads? Please forgive me. I'm not too sure how you usually end a service. So, But this is how I would like to end this morning. You're here this morning and you can really identify with what I'm saying. Maybe it was in your childhood. Your father really hurt you. Or your mother really hurt you. Or maybe you went through a traumatic event in your childhood. And left a scar in you. Maybe it's just recently somebody wounded you profoundly. Maybe it was an ex-spouse. Maybe it was an ex-co-worker. Maybe it was an ex-friend. And you felt so wounded and you can feel the bitterness growing in your heart. This morning I really want to pray for you if you want. To choose the path of the blessing. Say, I'm going to choose to forgive. Lord, help me to forgive that person that hurt me. Help me to forgive my dad. Help me to forgive my mom. You saw everything, Lord. I give you that person to your hand. These are the people you chose to give me life. They missed their mission. They failed at their calling. And your plans for my life as my parents. But today I choose to forgive them. Today I want to start that path of forgiveness. So would you help me, Lord? If that's you this morning, I'd like you to stand where you are because I want to know I'm going to pray for you. I just want you to stand where you are. I know this could be different than you're used to, 
but say, I'm going to stand because I'm just choosing the path of the blessing this morning. I'm just going to choose the path. It's not going to be automatic, but I'm going to choose the path. I'm going to choose the path. I just want to wait a few seconds because I know it takes courage. I see so many tears this morning. I know it takes courage to stand up and say, yeah, that's me. Sometimes I feel so ashamed. I believe what was said about me. And I struggle to forgive. If you only knew the pain. Well, I know this. I may not fully know your pain. But Jesus does. Jesus knows your pain. This morning you say, I'm going to walk in the process of forgiving. Would you pray for me, Pastor? And you'll stand where you are. Stand where you are. Just want to wait. You say, why do you have me stand? As human beings, sometimes we have to make a concrete step. Did you ever notice when Jesus does a miracle, he's always asking for a step from the person? Take up your mat and walk. Go wash your eyes. That's something that we need as human beings at times. So would you stand? Father, I want to pray for each and every one that's standing right now. Would you come and minister to them? Would you come and minister to them? A sense of your presence, a sense of your love right now. A sense of justice. A sense that what was done to them was wrong. It was wrong. And you saw it. And you know it. And so they can freely, trustfully give you those persons, those people that have hurt them today, to know that you are fair, that you are just. Give us the strength to forgive those who have sinned against us. Pray for your forgiveness, your strength to forgive. I want to pray for those that are sitting down. They're still wiping their tears, but they don't have the strength to stand up. Pray that you would come. You know them. You know their heart. Would you come and wipe their tears? Would you want to come and heal the brokenhearted? Would you come and minister and say, it's okay, I'm there. I'm there. I'll help you. I'll lead you on the path of the blessing. 
Some of you here don't think you deserve the blessing. It's good to see my family. But you say, yeah, but that's not for me. Blessings are not because we deserve them. They're by His grace. And so, Lord, give us the strength to forgive those that have hurt us, that have sinned against us. Even though they may not have ever and they will never ask for our forgiveness, we choose to forgive them. It doesn't mean we're reconciled to them, but we're letting them go this morning. And we're walking into the path of the blessing. So would you bless and touch every heart here this morning? Can we all stand this morning? Can we all stand? Lord, I want to give you thanks for this pastor and this church. For the courage, for the honesty to address this subject. Because it's in every church. Many of us have been wounded. And we have pain. And I thank you for this pastor and for the leadership to address it. To not just pretend it's not there. Because we're Christians. We don't have any more pain. So I just pray for your blessing for, on him and his wife and his home. And I pray for West Side. I pray for this church. This is a gathering. Well, I pray, Lord, that this would be a gathering of wounded people that have found healing in you, that are choosing the path of the blessing so they can be a blessing to those suffering around us. And that this church will be known. This is a safe place. This is a place where we will be welcome and we'll find healing and we'll get closer to God. I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you.